Hey everybody, welcome back to the next episode of The Anxious Mammal. It looks like we are on episode, I think, seven. Today we're going to be talking about what is my main approach when I'm dealing with trauma with individuals um, in my practice. Um, this isn't always across the board, this can change. But we're going to talk about internal family systems, or shorthand known as IFS. And we are also going to talk about EMDR, which is eye movement and desensitization reprocessing. So if you stick around, you will learn how these two interventions can greatly help to manage trauma and anxiety. Okay, I'm going to try and do my best to not jump around because there is a lot of information for this and I can get sidetracked easily. For the first time ever, I actually wrote an outline to try and keep me on the right track because the information is um, can be so broad if you don't focus. So IFS, we're going to start with, then we'll talk about EMDR, and then we will talk about how the two interact together. And this is my approach when trying to process and deal with the trauma that ends up causing symptoms later in life, anxiety, depression, PTSD, PTSD-related symptoms, etc. IFS is internal family systems. What happens on a normal basis is as we grow up, we develop personality parts. So we have the self, which will be, we'll say, Tom, and that's our main identity. But we also have our self as a student, or a daughter, a brother, mother, prisoner, patient, etc. We have various roles that we need to fulfill in society, and these roles require different demeanors and resources and ways of speaking and behaving. Each of these personality parts are like a different tool belt that we put on to help us navigate different or unique relationships and settings. You do not act the same, use the same speech, same body language, etc. when you are in the role of being a son compared to a boyfriend or a friend out on the town or a teacher at work. You behave differently, speak differently in ways, and use different resources or methods of dealing with the situation than you would in other settings. This is how we understand and navigate the world. We compartmentalize things, and our self blends with these roles, which have various different tools and approaches, and that helps us to navigate the situation the most appropriate. These parts of our personality help us to navigate the world the best we know how, based off the information we have gained throughout our life. So that means we are susceptible to having these roles influenced or developed in consideration of the treatment of others. Which means if we experience a trauma, then the part involved in that trauma becomes damaged. What happens is this part, instead of being for example, I'm just a seven-year-old daughter, so I'm Susan, but I'm a seven-year-old daughter, so my role as a daughter as a seven-year-old, dad abandons us, and then I download this belief into my brain of I'm not good enough or I'm not lovable, which is why dad left. Because again, we will protect the image of the parent. 
because we need a good enough parent to feel safe in the world. So therefore, we will blame ourselves as children because having a good parent as a bad kid feels safer. We still have guidance compared to a bad parent and a good kid because then we have no guidance because our parent is unreliable. So we will internalize events as our own fault in order to protect the image of the guardian or parent, mother, father, etc. So if you're a seven-year-old and you experience a trauma like dad abandoned you, this seven-year-old part now becomes Susan, the seven-year-old who was traumatized because she's not lovable and dad left. So this part essentially becomes damaged and in IFS is labeled as an exile. An exile is a traumatized part that your brain wants to protect you from because it feels that you cannot handle it. Other ways of thinking of this are the information is your brain attempts to hold the information in your sub or unconscious so that it is not accessible to you and causing you harm. When the exile part is created, the brain will then develop protector parts. This is where the family system comes in. In order to protect the damaged seven-year-old daughter, the brain develops these protector parts and there is now a network or a system in place that operates like a family and everybody has a role. We develop two types of protectors, managers and firefighters. First, managers. These are the parts that will often overcompensate to try and keep us from having to experience the exiled part to relive the trauma. Managers in this case for uh, the seven-year-old who feels unlovable because dad abandoned her, her managers might be more diligent and trying more than she really should to try and make other men in her life accept her or love her or validate her. Maybe she seeks the approval and validation of her friend's fathers. Or she could be the other way around. Maybe she closes herself off completely to men. She doesn't date, she doesn't trust men, etc. It's an overcompensation. It's a means to protect from that exile trauma part. However, sometimes this is not enough. Sometimes the manager becomes overwhelmed, the person becomes overwhelmed, and there's too many stressors occurring. And the manager is unable to feel as though it is enough. This is when the firefighter steps in. Firefighters are protective parts that step in in place of the managers when they're overwhelmed or not enough, and they are impulsive. So with our example, the 70-year-old girl, her father leaves the family, the daughter develops a belief that I am not good enough or I'm not lovable. And again, this is because as children, we internalize these behaviors and take responsibility to protect the parent image. The now traumatized 7-year-old daughter is stuck in time, essentially. So these parts, exile parts, essentially stay stuck living in time and not knowing that time continues and that you are an adult now. So the firefighter will come out when the manager is overwhelmed or fails, and the firefighters tell you to do anything possible to eliminate or avoid the pain. Their intentions are always good. Your protectors always want to help you, but it may not seem like it because of some of the ideas that they may arise. For example, the firefighter may come in and say, okay, you're not getting the validation or the love to show that you're good enough, so you need to cut or drink or run away or kill yourself. These are all firefighters. They're emergency impulsive responses to try one last ditch effort 
to keep the individual away from the exiled part that can cause them too much pain and overwhelm them, at least in the belief of the protectors. When we experience trauma, our personality parts can become fragmented, taking on an identity of their own. Extreme cases is where we can see an example of this, and it's disassociative identity disorder or multiple personality disorder. The individual has experienced so much trauma that the personality parts completely fragment and they're phobic, afraid, or unaware of one another. It's no longer a system around the self where the self blends with various roles, but the system believes that each of these roles or some of these roles actually have an identity of their own. In essence, the brain believes that there are more than one self. This is an extreme case and it's very rare, but it's a good way for you to understand that this is something that is very real and that is the extreme end of this. Those who have experienced trauma and not to the extent to where they end up with dissociative identity or multiple personalities, they will just have some fragmenting in their personality parts. This essentially means the person will not always be in control of choosing which part they blend their self with. So the seven-year-old that feels unlovable and abandoned may come out without their want. They may be in a relationship and the person breaks up with them and in comes the seven-year-old part because it's been triggered by this, which is enough to relate to losing their father. And they begin to have the belief again of I'm not lovable and they begin to use protective methods that a seven-year-old would use. These parts, the protectors or the exiles, um, come out when triggered, which results in unwanted behaviors, thoughts, and emotions. When we experience trauma and our parts fragment and develop into new systems, we lose some of the control or all of the control of choosing which parts blend with ourself in given situations as we are at the mercy of the trauma trigger response. So the goal is to keep yourself away from the exiled part because your brain and your protectors believe it is too much for you to handle. The goal of IFS is to gain the trust of these protector parts, ensure them that we do not want to get rid of them all parts have good intentions no matter what they tell the person to do. They have one purpose, to keep away the exiled part and the pain. We don't want to get rid of any of these parts. We just want to let them know that the self can handle the past trauma and manage it because it is now a different time in the future than what the parts believe. These parts have done their job at protecting the individual from the trauma, and that is why we do not want to get rid of them. Plus, we don't want to tell these parts we want to get rid of them because then they remain as defense mechanisms to processing and accessing the trauma memories. The protector and the exile parts often need assistance to understand that it's not 10 or 15 or 20 years in the past, and this can really help get the defense mechanisms to drop or move or weaken so that we can then use EMDR to help process the trauma. So with EMDR, an exile is the trauma memory that has the negative energy attached and the negative cognition attached to it. 
or a corrupt file that our brain does not accept or like. Protectors would be identified as defense mechanisms that keep that trauma from overwhelming the individual by moving, um, by, by allowing the trauma not to move into active awareness. Everything we experience through our senses influences our internal state. So at night during REM sleep, we process this information and file it in categories into our long-term memory. This helps us navigate the world quickly by taking past experiences and in a moment present incoming information and being able to make guesses about what's going to happen in the future so that we can navigate the world efficiently, effectively, and safely as possible. For example, we try strawberry and grapes for the first time. Our brain records grapes, image of a grape. It's a food, it's a fruit, it's, fruits I, it's fruit I like. This is then filed into long-term memory in the folder food and the subfolder fruit I like. Strawberries may be something that we become allergic to or dislike. So it's a food, record the image, the smell, it's a fruit, I dislike this fruit. And it gets filed in food, fruit, fruits I dislike. Now when you see a strawberry or you see a grape, you can immediately have that information recalled and know Grapes, fruit, I like those. Strawberry, I don't like those. Trauma memories don't get downloaded in this way. They get kicked back to the active memory because our brain does not want to download long-term negative beliefs into our implicit or long-term deep memory. This goes against our core animal drive to survive and evolve. Our animal drive is survive, evolve, procreate, and therefore, believing that we are not good enough goes against this at our core. So the brain cannot download this and kicks it back into the uh, active memory. The trauma part or memory can now get triggered easily because it sits in our explicit or short-term or active memory, and it only needs an incoming sensation to trigger it. Since it's in our explicit active memory, our brain and body essentially believe that it's still occurring or could still occur and it's not necessarily a past event. Trauma memory can have negative energy because the brain and body are confused and do not know it's in the past so because it's still active the body thinks that the energy is still necessary. For example if you go to Disneyland you get excited when you leave Disneyland the excitement fades. Theoretically, if you were to stay at Disneyland, the excitement would stay. Obviously, eventually you would get bored, but just for the sense of this discussion. So, when you experience a trauma event and the trauma event is over, you should not have that energy left. But that's only if your brain were to download it and realize that it's in the past and it's not stuck as an exiled part in the active memory. And your brain becomes confused thinking that that person or event can still occur in the present moment or is going to occur soon. Trauma is negative, so the emotion of fear remains strong because our brain is wired to remember threat and fear in order to survive. It's not wired to remember excitement and joy. Remembering things that are fearful, threatening, help us survive. Remembering happy things do not. Therefore, you walk out your door, there's a rainbow, or there's a dog loose down the road. 
you will naturally notice the dog loose before the rainbow typically because the dog is a threat the rainbow is not and our animal instincts of survival will always ultimately win emdr can be used to essentially ask the brain to do what it does in rem sleep but with the help of a trained therapist who can help you do something called dual attention which helps you bring up the memory of the past but then focus on the sensations in the moment. So the client brings up an image or movie clip of the worst part of the experience, but before being pulled into the past, they then identify how they feel in their body right now. This keeps the client grounded in the room, in the present, so work can be done. The client then focuses on the image of the movie that they brought up, the body sensation or sensations that they may have experienced in response, and the therapist will then use bilateral stimulation by moving their fingers back and forth or using buzzers in each hand and there's other methods like tapping to simulate REM eye movements to have the left and right hemispheres of the brain communicate and essentially have another chance to download this information. The brain does not work and memory can be moved from explicit memory to implicit or long-term memory. So. The brain doesn't work on its own sometimes after this. You need REM sleep, but the information can be moved from explicit memory to implicit memory or implicit to explicit, which means short-term to long-term or long-term to short-term. When this happens, the negative belief is dropped because it's not necessary and the event is over. And the negative energy is dissipated because the brain now acknowledges the trauma experience as in the past and no longer a threat so now it's just another bad memory with no charge. You can have trauma experiences and you get triggered or think of these experiences and you have a sensation occur in the body. You have other bad experiences that you can bring up and remember and you don't have any sensations occur in the body because your brain understands that these are past and they can no longer hurt you. This is the difference between trauma memories and bad, quote unquote, bad memories. This process of EMDR can be used for whatever target the patient identifies. Usually I will start with my clients by creating a trauma timeline. So something like when I was four, this happened. When I was five, this happened. When I was six, this happened. Or sometimes we will just talk about a common theme of believing that I'm stupid or I'm not good enough or I'm not lovable or whatever it may be. This is how we are identifying targets. Now we move to the combination of IFS and EMDR. IFS and EMDR work well together for trauma work. IFS can be useful in gaining the permission of the protective parts to allow the client and the therapist to access the exiled part. In, this, in essence, the techniques of IFS can be used to bypass, diminish, or eliminate defense mechanisms that are blocking from getting to the trauma. IFS, um, well, actually, first off, from more of an EMDR perspective, it allows for getting around those defense mechanisms. That's kind of how you would think of it in EMDR. In IFS, you just think of it as gaining the permission of the protective parts to be allowed to help them with the trauma. The analogy I like to use with clients when I work with them is think of it as you have a house, and in a room, any given room, there is the exiled trauma part. So you have this seven-year-old girl 
and we'll just say she's in 1990, and she believes she's not lovable because dad abandoned her. The door's closed, and standing in front of that door are the protectors guarding it. IFS can help to get the permission from the protectors to go into the room, and EMDR can then be used to help clear the room. This allows the exiled part to operate as a normal part once cleared. Now she can just be Susan, the seven-year-old, and do what seven-year-olds do and come out when seven-year-olds are needed, not Susan, the seven-year-old who thinks she's not lovable and she comes out anytime she's triggered in a situation where she feels not loved enough or validated. We must convince the, protect the protectors that we do not want to get rid of them, that they have been useful, because otherwise they are not going to allow us to access the trauma. They're going to continue to defend because they believe you can't get rid of me or you will be overwhelmed. We simply want to join them on their job of protecting from the trauma part. But we do not want to see it as um, a different time and the client can take this on. They don't have to keep protecting the exile trauma part. But we do want them to see it is a different time and the client can take this on they do not have to keep protecting the exile trauma part because this person is now an adult and has new resources with the support of a clinician who is willing to help them when a part or a person experiences trauma this part and the trauma memory is stuck in time so this part of trauma the brain and body don't understand that the trauma is ended as we mentioned before by helping the trauma part, the exile part, and the protectors to see, to prove to them that this person is now in a different time and an adult, that can help us gain access and trust. When EMDR works and it's able to clear the trauma memory, it reduces the disturbance of the target memory. Um, the goal is to reduce it to zero. On a scale of zero to 10, 10 is the most disturbing, zero means no disturbance at all, we want to keep doing this and processing and allowing the brain to process until the client eventually reports that the memory causes a zero disturbance. The symptoms will not return if you successfully clear a trauma memory. This is something that when it works, it works indefinitely. The memory's not gone, it's not forgotten. It's just that the charge is simply removed, so it's just another quote unquote bad memory rather than a trauma memory. When I'm working with people in session, a lot of times I hear that as we work on a trauma memory and do EMDR, they'll start getting to a point where the memory will fade in color or it'll be less clear or fuzzy. And then, of course, the trauma in the body that they experience is also decreased. So by using IFS and EMDR, we can successfully target, gain access to, and eliminate the trauma attached to a memory. And the symptoms that exist because of that trauma will then dissipate or disappear because they only exist because of the trauma. If you'd like more information on this topic, I did write an article on EMBR and one on parts and IFS, which refers to uh, multiple personality. So there is a written form of some of this information. Or please reach out and feel free to ask me any questions. My phone number for my contact is listed on my website under the About Me contact section. So any questions, comments, complaints, or concerns, I would encourage you to reach out and let me know. 
Hopefully this information has been useful for you. If you're interested in accessing this kind of treatment, you simply need to look for an EMDR trained therapist. And if you really want to have someone who does EMDR and IFS, you'll have to essentially um, inquire on your own, calling EMDR certified therapists and asking them if they utilize IFS as well. You can go to the EMDRIA website, which is EMDRIA. It's the EMDR International Association. And they have a list of EMDR qualified therapists that you can look into. You can also call your insurance company if you have insurance. You can request a list of mental health providers that are qualified under your insurance. And you can reach out to those providers and ask them if they provide EMDR or IFS or both. Again, any questions or concerns, I encourage you to go to the contact page and you can reach out to me by phone and I will be sure to return your call. I appreciate you guys joining me. I hope that this was very informative for you. It is an area that I love and enjoy and use on a daily basis. And I see so much great improvement when using these two methods in my clinical practice. Thank you.